Hi folks, welcome to Concepts in Focus, the philosophy series by the Acid Horizon Theory Podcast. In this episode, Will presents his reading of Foucault's Docile Bodies in the way that Foucault lays out the concept in his book, Discipline and Punish. This episode will eventually be available exclusively on our Patreon account, but for now, it serves as a prelude to our upcoming full episode on Foucault and the politics of health in the 18th century. We are doing our best to bring you quality discussions of theory. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or our Patreon account to keep the discussion going. Michel Foucault's genealogical work is both that of history and political philosophy. For this reason, it's often difficult to condense the vast array of material analysis present in his work into a simple, conceptual argument. What I will try to do here is expound on one particular concept in his work, Discipline and Punish, that I believe is crucial to understanding his broader political framework, the docile body. Through this concept, one can better understand Foucault's project, and contributions. What makes a good soldier, a good student, a good doctor, a good postal worker, a good longshoreman, a good teacher? Is it strength? Is it a propensity towards obedience? Is it something inherent in the individual that propels them towards a state of productivity? Foucault opens his section on docility with an extensive description of the ideal combatant in the 17th century. The soldier was someone who could be recognized from afar. The soldier bore certain physical attributes that signified their unique status as a violent tool of the state. The soldier displayed not only their own physical capacity, but the capacity of the state whose banner they fought beneath. According to Foucault, this changed in the 18th century. No longer were a strong physical constitution and a propensity for obedience prerequisites for a soldier employed by the state. These were now traits that could be fostered and firmly developed in each singular human being. Bodies that are productive and can be propelled toward a collective goal can be produced. Foucault writes this, By the late 18th century, the soldier has become something that can be made out of formless clay in an apt body. The machine required can be constructed. Posture is gradually corrected. A calculated constraint runs slowly through each part of the body, mastering it. In short, one has got rid of the peasant and given him the air of the soldier. In Foucault's historical analysis, the classical era was one defined by the discovery of bodies as the quintessential target of technologies of power. The erecting of constraints on bodies entered the human being into a machine of power that explores it, breaks it down, and eventually rearranges it. The better a state could monitor, regulate, and manipulate the bodies within its population, the more productive it could be. The inertia of physical routines eventually becomes self-maintaining. Punitive institutions, healthcare facilities, and schools all play a role in this production of power. 
The military uniquely relies on this power over flesh. It must control and subsequently correct the most minute elements of the body, such as the slight imperfection in one's posture or gait. Regimen and routines are the cornerstone of conventional training techniques, military or otherwise. These physical actions are intended to become imprinted on the brain and the body. At the advent of the Napoleonic era, militaries were formulating methodologies targeted at the complex coercion of the mind and body. No longer were bodies of mass necessarily needed. Instead, it was systems of organization that these institutions desperately needed to create. Battalions, regiments, and divisions. Technology plays a crucial role in the birth of disciplinary procedures. As both Marx and Sartre contend in their work earlier, the introduction of a new violent technology, the rifle, mandated a new formula for dominance. These ranks of soldiers needed to be fluid, flexible, and thus new forms of training were born. The body needed to be treated mechanically, reduced to muscles. Training a soldier in the modern era is a process that rivals that of the disciplinary aspirations present in Plato's Republic. This methodology needed to be meticulous. It needed to produce an individual who could respond to particular stimuli immediately and do so with intense precision. Firing a rifle or maneuvering properly is no small matter to an army. Docility sits at the very center of Foucault's analysis of power and governance. It is what ensures that utility is consistently extracted from a populace. Every act to partition space or to move or place bodies is intended to maximize output. If this is sounding like a workplace synergy presentation, well, that's because in some ways it is. But it extends far beyond the beige walls of the cubicle. In order for this maximization to occur, Foucault argues, governments needed to ensure that this promotion of docility occurred far earlier than the conscription of a new rifleman or the employment of a new accountant. For the sake of explanation, let's stick with the soldier. This creation of a docile body is not a simple process of domination or the result of an instantaneous or direct execution of overt physical power. Long before the soldier ever enters the barracks, they have been introduced and are accustomed to these technologies of discipline. That is because they exist everywhere. The school, the hospital, the sports field, the prison, and even the home. These carefully organized schemas proliferated throughout the 17th and 18th century, all under a comparable operational goal, the maximization of efficiency. Again, I want to return to the multifaceted production that is occurring in these spaces. It is not simply that space is partitioned and bodies are compelled to move within them, but also that over time, bodies are conditioned to compel themselves to move within these spaces. The structure, organization, and compartmentalization of these spaces are all crucial to the disciplinary society. One must begin with an analysis of the physical structure. It is essential to Foucault that we analyze the physical arrangements within which we socialize. This alone provides an insight into the underlying social nature of the machines that promote docility. 
There is a remarkable inertia that comes with consistently waking up at the same hour, driving the same car to the same location, sitting at the same desk, repeating the same tasks, having the same conversations with the same people, and always in similar spaces. These spaces serve a myriad of roles. However, they primarily serve one. That is the promotion of obedience among individuals. The final function of a disciplinary technology is to link the individual to the multiple. And this can only be efficiently achieved through the creation of docile bodies. The next elements of social organization Foucault urges us to analyze are the management of time and the uses of repetition. Each body must be able to work individually, but cohesively towards a collective goal, as we've stated. This is where repetition and time management come into the picture. Foucault contends that these repetitions of particular actions at particular times are intended to create a kind of social rhythm within the targeted subject. The repetition of movements or tasks under the gaze of an instructor or the stringent eye of a drill sergeant or the view of a manager are all working towards the engenderment of docility within that same subject. These repetitions can create self-imposed identities. When I say, I am a student, it may seem like a minor statement of fact, but it is laden with assertions about a network of relationships I have, where I go, and what I do. In fact, Foucault argues that all docile bodies are situated somewhere within a hierarchy, that it is those relationships, either of dominance or subservience, that define one's social existence. <laughs>